Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. and we're joining Bishop Julian Porteous again for another question and answer with the Bishop. And we have a hot topic, don't we, Jovina? We do indeed. The hot topic is euthanasia. Because in our society today, there has been a strong push to allow people the right to euthanasia. And occasionally we get articles about people suffering and about these people who are suffering who want to end their life. So, Bishop, should we not allow them this choice? Often when we hear stories, and they can be very sad and difficult stories um, presented in the newspaper, whereby somebody is saying that uh, they're suffering greatly and uh, they've made a decision to want to end their life, to put themselves out of their suffering. Naturally, this attracts, attracts immediately a sort of an emotional response on our part. And we think, well, surely um, they're suffering greatly, uh, they have. They want. They don't see any value or purpose to their life, and therefore we should allow them. I, I think it's natural for us to make a compassionate, or seems to be a compassionate response to such situations, and therefore it does seem to create the sense that maybe our resistance to the whole idea of euthanasia is something which is just unreasonable, or uh, is is something which uh, we should allow greater personal freedom of choice um, and this this uh, is once it's very it is very difficult to respond to it does seem that we say in the church uh, are just being completely hard-lined and you know uh, lacking in compassion and kindness for somebody who's no doubt suffering very greatly but I suppose we do have to ask ourselves a deeper question and that is our, our understanding that the life that each of us has is not of our creating, not of our ultimate control. We, we need to recognize that life is a gift. It comes from God. And we, we have this sense that there's something sacred here. Every human life is sacred it's a sacred thing it's it's a it's a bond if you like between a person and god the creator and we we can say that that god has given me life and i also realize that my life is not just worked out in terms of my span of years but my life also involves a relationship with god and and also involves the question of eternity I have a soul. That soul is going to live forever. There is an intense dynamic, if you like, between each individual and the God who created us and the God who wants to offer, offer us eternal life with him. Now, what we would say is that we do need to deeply respect that very sacred reality. Again, it's it's very understandable that somebody who perhaps doesn't have faith or somebody who, who is, is just finding their life 
under a particular disease or incapacity, one of just constant suffering. And you see this and you can't make any human sense of what may be going on. But here, as we move into these realms of, of life, there, there is a mystery. And I think in the end, we need to say that, that we, we should always respect the fact that life is not our own. We can't make the choice to end our life, but rather place our life in, in the hands of God and to, if a person has faith, to be able to offer up that suffering that it may have benefit for themselves or indeed for the whole world, as Christ's own suffering was not just for himself, but was for the whole world. It's a mystery. But I think to, 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 for society to say, it's all right to do this, and, and as we know, we often say, it's just dangerous because it can, what can start off with, with a very hard and difficult individual case can in time lead to, to situations whereby there isn't the same um, convincing argument um, that somebody in a very extreme situation may have. So, Bishop, I think a lot of people um, are really don't dislike this teaching of the church because they misunderstand. They think they they think it means that if they if a person were to end up on life support and requiring ventilation to to exist, that the church would would teach that they need to remain on that. Is is turning off someone's life support euthanasia? That's often a point that's confused. I think um, people may say, well, well. Should, should therefore, if the church is opposed to euthanasia, then how can they justify um, a, a family making the decision to turn off life support for a person? I think here we have to make some just some simple and clear distinctions. The, the basic decision, distinction is that in the case of somebody who is suffering and wants to end their life, they need to take a direct intervention to actually cause the end of their life. So they're not allowing, if you like, a natural process, which is for all of us, the natural process of dying to take place. In the case of somebody who's on life support, what the medical people will be able to, to say to a family um, is that this person is no longer able to humanly sustain their life, their, their own uh, faculties, capacities to uh, preserve their life no longer exist and therefore they're being artificially preserved in life and so if you like we will then allow the natural dying process to take place the body would actually then die we're not intervening to to stop life we're simply recognizing now that life is being artificially uh, maintained and so <clears throat> the church has said that no, that's fully respected because we recognise in that case that um, that the human person has in fact died. It's just being maintained alive mechanically, if you like. Bishop, I'm a big Elvis fan. I love Elvis, Frank Sinatra, all the oldies. And I watch movies from the 1940s. And I find that talking to my grandparents' generation, to people in their 70s and 80s, is such a joy because we can share all these and they can tell me from, about stories from their past and, and they're such a, a jewel to our church. 
But what does the church have to offer in place of euthanasia for the elderly? Mm. One of the things that has been a, a great great help for us as, as we deal with this very complex and, and very sensitive issue of, of, of euthanasia is the fact that in recent times, medical science has advanced a great deal in what we call palliative care. Uh, this can take the form of the provision of various um, drugs or, or ways to reduce the amount of pain that people uh, have to endure. It, palliative care can also ensure that uh, a person is able to be in a, in a tranquil state and, and not um, greatly uh, affected by the, the dying process. So medical science is now in a place of being able to assist people so much more in the dying. I, I, I always have felt that, um, that one, of the, one of the great human experiences is the dying experience because it's not just the ebbing out of, of physical life. It's a journey that we undertake. Uh, it's, it's ultimately a spiritual journey. And uh, if you like, it's a transition from a life here on earth to a life in union with God. And, and so the church, the church now can, has devoted itself particularly to encouraging and, and, and developing a lot of uh, palliative care uh, services. And, and many of our Catholic hospitals have particularly uh, put effort into providing palliative care so we can create the best possible environment for a person to die. And as I said, that dying process is not only the, the ebbing out of human life. It's not only the shutdown of our human life, but it is a journey, a spiritual journey. It's also obviously an emotional journey. And therefore, all the provisions, not only the physical provisions, but also uh, the fact that we can have people to give uh, emotional support and, and guidance for people, the fact that we can provide spiritual support in all sorts of ways, the sacraments, through prayer, all these, all these ways uh, provide the church with a saying, with the church being able to say to people, we want to be with you in the dying process. And palliative care is a very practical means by which we can assist a person in the dying process uh, and particularly to uh, help them overcome issues that may be seen as attracting a person to consider euthanasia. Bishop, can I ask you something that's probably quite a difficult question and that is, I mean, palliative care is a wonderful answer to the per is such a humane answer to the person who is what we call actively dying. We see a, quite a, a growing subset of people within our population, the elderly, who are suffering from dementia, who their families look at them and say they don't have any quality of life, they're not their usual self, but they're not what we call actively dying. And I think there is a large movement of people who would say these people should be allowed to be euthanized. You know, it's not like they're actively dying, so palliative care applies to them. Um, how do we respond to something that does seem quite an impassioned plea for mercy for people that do have this what we call impaired quality of life? Mm. This is a great danger, of course, in connection with uh, euthanasia. If, if I think 
the society decides through the governmental uh, agencies to approve euthanasia, the great danger is where will it stop? And obviously, apart from the human uh, elements of, say, somebody who's got dementia and so forth, and how distressing it can be for a family to say that <clears throat> this person is, is somebody who I can no longer communicate with as a person, you know, they, they still have a physical body and maybe even quite physically well, but their mind is gone. And I feel like that's kind of the worst thing because you can't communicate. You, they don't know who you are and you can't have any relationship uh, meaningful human relationship with that person and that's very extremely di uh, distressing for families but the danger then could be that we say that because of the diminished quality of life then it's better for these people to be euthanized and of course the pressure builds up when you sort of say look it's costing a lot of money to keep these people alive the 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 care that we've got to offer them, the facilities we have to make available to them. Uh, we're also aware that, um, you know, there's a limited health budget and wouldn't it be better for money to be directed to um, to other causes other than, than this? There are all these sort of economic pressures that could also bear in on it. But we face then the great danger that we are going to start making decisions about who we consider to be able to be kept alive or have a right to remain alive. And those that we say, no, you no longer have a right to remain alive because, because of all, a whole lot of other factors which are um, making us reach that decision. Obviously we're playing God there. Uh, and this is, this is a grave risk that we'll have with regard to um, to, to euthanasia. The Catholic Church is always, because of our understanding of the nature of human life as, as created by God, as a gift that God has given us, the Catholic Church has always said that, that human life must be preserved, must be preserved in the womb and must re be preserved in its final stages uh, because this is something that that directly links us to the whole wisdom and plan and purpose of God for each and every human being. We must be very, very careful about stepping into a place which I think is so sacred. Thank you, Bishop Julian. It's wonderful to see the, the beauty and wisdom of the Church's teaching on this topic and especially in your answers today. So I hope it reaches the hearts of many. Thank you. a rather profound reflection on, on some very deep issues related to uh, to, to euthanasia. Um, just for our Did You Know segment today, I, I just thought I'd uh, look at the question, something which has become quite popular now among uh, many Catholics and, and many young people too, and that is to go on pilgrimage. Indeed. Like many... Uh, Many young people prior to World Youth Day, particularly from Australia now, are doing a pilgrimage to uh, holy places 
leading up to their their attendance at uh, the World Youth Day. And so just prior to the World Youth Day in Madrid, many from the Archdiocese of Sydney and from different parts of Australia went on pilgrimages. Some went through the Holy Land for very obvious reasons. It's interesting to think what were the two other countries that were most popular for pilgrimages. Now, I think it would be true to say that they were Italy and France. My little did you know today is just to simply say, of all the countries in the world, which two countries have the most number of canonized saints? I'm going to guess Italy is one of them. And I'm going to guess France is the other. You are both correct. <laughs> yes. You've been listening to Q&A with Bishop Julian Porteous. For more episodes, visit Credio.org.au Thank you.